Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. Ladies and gentlemen, we can't really blame this on the Olympics. Because, um... Because COVID-19 forced the Tokyo Olympics to be performed, word deliberately chosen, in front of no audience. So, of course, what happens to all the stuff that was made for the people who were supposed to be in the audience to buy? Well, a few months after the Olympics closed, according to the Financial Times, an Osaka liquidation company quietly began the job that nobody had wanted to admit was needed, disposing of truckload after truckload of fluffy toys, hmm, branded clothing, and other detritus from the most heavily sponsored sports event in history. More about that later in the program. Some of the merchandise mountain was dispatched to poor Cambodian villages. They like fluffy toys in Cambodian villages, don't they? Some were donated to local child care institutions. Some were sold off for a tiny fraction of the original price. In Osaka, the liquidation company Shoichi managed to salvage some value from the game's stuff. Company president Shoichi Yamamoto, no relation, was critical of games organizers, saying some sponsors were left with huge inventories after their contracts ended late last year and had no choice but to throw away their goods. Quote, It sounds irresponsible for the Games Organizing Committee to dissolve itself without dealing with unsold inventories. The Games value sustainable development goals. Well, it's sustainable throwing away. I've got a plan. Let's not have a pandemic coincide with the next Olympic Games. What do you say? Hello, welcome to the show. Set your mouth, baby. We could have a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Because you are, you are the cutest one. You're so neat, sweet. Walking down the street, all the ladies holler, they go holler. You are the cutest one. It's so heavenly, what a break for me. Baby, can't you see? I'm in love, love, love. Such a love, baby. We could have a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Because you are, you are the cutest one. You are the cutest one. You are the cutest one
such a mouth, baby. We could have a lot of fun, a lot of fun, because you are, you are the cutest one. You're so neat, sweet. Walking down the street, all the ladies holler, they all holler. You are the cutest one. You're so heavenly. What a break for me, baby. Can't you see? I'm in love, love, love. Such a mouth, baby. We could have a lot of fun, a lot of fun, because you are, you are the cutest one. You are the cutest one. From Southern California, I'm Harry Shearer. Welcome you to this edition of the show. And now... So there's this thing called HoloLens. They're mixed reality goggles. That means you see the so-called real world through them, and then you see other stuff superimposed on top of the real world. Microsoft makes this particular version of mixed reality goggles. They need further refinement before they're ready for U.S. soldiers. That's according to a report from the Defense Department passed on to us by the British tech journal The Register. The 79-page report originally obtained by Bloomberg about the Army's pilot testing of the HoloLens is designated controlled unclassified information. Hasn't been made public, but you might find it sitting around at um, Mar-a-Lago if you happen to be down there. A summary of the uh, report by the director of the Defense Department's Operation Test and Evaluation describes tests resulting in, quote, Mission affecting physical impairments, specifically headaches, eye strain, and nausea. (laughs) So wouldn't you put those on? The summary indicates more than 80% of soldiers who experienced discomfort with the customized version of Microsoft's headset showed symptoms within three hours. Well, that's immediate relief. Oh, it's not relief. Sorry. Um, doesn't say which percentage of HoloLens testers experienced discomfort. The Register, the British Tech Journal, asked an Army spokesperson whether those figures were available. The statement that uh, they received in response did not address that request. A year and a half ago, the Army awarded a $22 billion contract to build 120,000 custom HoloLens augmented mixed-reality headsets. The devices will implement the military's integrated visual augmentation system, your IVAS, <laughs> to enable soldiers to see through smoke and around corners, to pull up holographic imagery for training, and to project 3D maps on their field of vision. But the project has been plagued with delays to address technical concerns, like trying to avoid the, the nausea. Can we do something about the nausea? Testing was scheduled for last fall, pushed back to May of this year, according to the Army Times. A report this year from the Defense Department's 
Office of Inspector General, put further pressure on the project with the finding that the Army hadn't defined a a minimally viable product in terms of what soldiers would accept. Quote, procuring IVAS, I-V-A-S, without attaining user acceptance could result in wasting up to $21.88 billion in taxpayer funds to f- put out a system that soldiers may not want to use or use as intended. Unquote. Well, that might be because of the nausea and disorientation. A 2020 meta-analysis of VR-induced sickness found VR, that's something reality, virtual reality, sure, had a relatively high mean simulator sickness questionnaire score of 28. SSQ is a framework developed for military flight simulators that scores people based on symptoms, like fatigue, headache, eye strain, associated with their scores. Your higher scores mean um, symptoms concerning or negligible, depending on where the score lands. Um, Total scores above 20 is considered, quote, bad. But they're going to still try to work on it. Because it apparently tests better than using a uh, tablet. No, no, no. Not those. You know, the electronic kind. For um, some of these battlefield purposes. My recommendation? Don't join the Army until they've fixed the goggles. The state of California has ended a pilot program and fully legalized digital license plates for private and commercial vehicles. It's great news for the one company that makes them. It's also from the register. The bill permits the DMV to establish a program authorizing an entity to issue alternatives to stickers, tabs, license plates, and registration cards for vehicles. A company called Reviver, based in California, produces the only apparent commercialized digital license plate, known as the R-plate. R for R. They uh, thank various interest groups in the state for getting the bill passed, after a trial program was authorized way back in 2013. Californians, the company says, are known to be early adopters of emerging innovative technologies. Reviver's plates come in battery and wired versions, just another battery to keep charged. The uh, wired versions are limited to commercial fleets. Reviver claims the battery has a life of five years, made possible by the need to draw power only when changing the display. The R-plate can reportedly function in extreme temperatures, has some customizable features, and is managed, of course, via Bluetooth using an app. They're also equipped with an antenna which can be used to push updates, change the plate, if the vehicle is stolen or lost, and notify vehicle owners if their car may have been stolen. And our plate owners can review, sorry, renew their registration online through the license plates mobile app. As the only supplier, they've been able to set their own prices 
Isn't that a nutty thing the monopolies can do? Although the bill does require the DMV to have a say in whether those prices are fair. The uh, current price, the battery version, nineteen ninety-five a month for 48 months. That's a total of $975 for your license plate. If you pay a year at a time, price is $215 a year, totaling $861. Wired plates for commercial vehicles are $275 if paid yearly. Regular DMV fees are steep, but not that steep. And finally, a hospital network in Wisconsin and Illinois fears visitor tracking code on its websites may have transmitted personal information on as many as 3 million patients to Meta, formerly Facebook, Google, and other third parties. Who would they be? Aurora Health, or sorry, Advocate Aurora Health, reported the potential breach to the U.S. government's Health and Human Services Department as well as millions of patients, AAH has 27 hospitals, 32,000 doctors and nurses. It's saying it placed analytics code on its online portals, that's the way you reach it online, to get an idea of how many people visit and log into their accounts, what they use, and other info. It's now been uh, established that that code known as trackers or pixels, because they may be loaded onto pages as invisible single pixels, may have sent personal info from the pages patients had open to those providing the trackers, such as Facebook or Google. Again, this is from the register. You might imagine these trackers simply transmit a unique identifier and IP address for their visitor, some details about their actions on the site for analysis and record-keeping. It turns out these pixels, pixels can send back all sorts of things, like search terms, your doctor's name, and the illnesses you're suffering from. In this case, the hospital system believes the data leak warrants raising an alarm. We've decided to assume that all patients with an AAH MyChart account, as well as any patients who need or who used scheduling widgets on our platforms, may have been affected. What was taken depended upon what you were doing on the portals. So it sounds as though the trackers were logging individual activity on pages, like user searched for doctor, user booked appointment, etc., rather than blanket harvesting all patient records automatically. Users may have been impacted differently based on their choice of browser. The configuration of their browsers, their blocking, clearing, or use of cookies, whether they have Facebook or Google accounts, whether they were logged into Facebook Facebook or Google, and the specific actions taken on the platform by you, the user. The data that may have been sent is extensive IP addresses, appointment information, including scheduling and type, proximity to an AAH facility, provider information, digital messages, first and last name, insurance data, and account information may all have been exposed. But financial and social security information was not. According to the uh, register, it was shown earlier this year that the pixels sent by Meta, formerly Facebook, could collect a lot more than basic usage 
metrics, transmitting personal data back to Meta, even for people who didn't have Facebook accounts. Same is true of other trackers, such as TikToks, which can gather personal data regardless of whether a website's visitor has ever set a digital foot on the China-owned social network. Site and app owners have control over how much or how little is collected by the trackers they place on their pages. TikTok already faces a $29 million fine for failing to protect UK kids' privacy. AAH said it was using the trackers for analysis. It only seems to just occur to them that this data is private health information and shouldn't really be fed to Facebook or Google. Quote, in an effort to deliver high-quality services to its community, AAH uses several third-party vendors to measure and evaluate information concerning the trends and preferences of its patients as they use our website, they said. Once AAH AAH realized the pixels were tracking patient data and leaking it, it removed the code from its web pages. It's still evaluating how to prevent a future snafu. It could swear off such tracking in the future, but they didn't say they were going to do that. Such new technologies will be evaluated under our enhanced, robust technology vetting process, consistent with our commitments to patient privacy. Wasn't that robust so far? But it's a smart, 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 smart world. Anyway... Now, news of Nice Corp, nice people doing nice things. Britain's most respected media analyst, hmm? okay. Claire Enders, has backed Rupert Murdoch's new proposal to re-merge Fox Corporation and News Corporation. He uh, split the two apart. It used to be one company a few years ago. Enders says that... Uh, Rupert Murdoch has come out of hibernation. COVID was a period of hibernation, and his then-wife, Jerry Hall, exercised a degree of control over his movements. All right, then. Which became the cause of the divorce. He's ten times more... She, he divorced her. He's ten times more directly engaged with the business than he was during the COVID years. There's no question this is all Rupert Murdoch, speaking of the re-merger of the two corporations, and that he's very actively engaged in this process. That's got to be good news. Yes, they were split in 2013, following the fallout from the phone hacking scandal. It was to protect the mothership, says Enders, the most significant assets of all, which were the American assets. Fox News is by far the most significant asset of the whole pile of assets that they own. That is still the case. Her company estimates that the split in 2013 triggered a tenfold increase in the fortune of the Murdochs, particularly after the uh, sorry the 2019 transactions when Fox sold most of its entertainment assets, including 20th Century Fox movie and television studio, to Disney. The exit was, she says, perfectly timed by the Murdoch family at the top of the market. Well, top of the market to you, too. And now, some news about microplastics. 
a week after Hurricane Ian passed by the space coast of Florida. One uh, person walking along the coast, according to Florida Today publication, discovered a colorful yet depressing sight of what the storm brought to the beaches. Countless chips of plastic bits, extending for maybe 200 feet, said Carrie Owen. She gathered a few handfuls before tiring and picking them up. It's course, microplastics. Hurricane Ian pushed onshore, onshore tiny pieces of the plastic, shed from clothes or dumped into the ocean where they break down into smaller and smaller fragments, threatening people and creatures who ingest this danger. Nylon polypropylene fibers from our clothing are among the most common microplastics. According to University of Central Florida researchers, old fraying boat ropes, fishing equipment, and other broken-down plastic bits are the main culprits, at least in that part of the world. Boating, cruising, and tourism in general add plastics to the waters. The combination of hurricanes and tourism, scientists have discovered, can increase microplastic concentrations in the environment, making Florida the perfect microplastic storm in addition to all the other great things about the state. When wind and storm surge churn the waters off Florida, they often disturb sediments, stirring up previously settled microplastics from the bottom of the ocean. These that then get caught in waves, distributed far and wide along the beaches and wherever else the contaminated water flows. They can be build up in top predators like humans, birds, and fish. Researchers have documented more than 180 animal species that uh, have ingested microplastics, including sea turtles. In several species, plastics block the digestive system, damage organs, and result in reduced feeding, growth rates, and reproductive failure. Substances such as phthalates, P-H-T-H, phthalates, which can cause cancer and endocrine disruption in humans and other plasticizers used to increase flexibility, durability, and transparency of plastics have shown up in whales and other marine life. Save the whales, except for the plastics. Crabs and oysters from the Indian River Lagoon, which humans eat, harbor tiny bits of plastics. Sometimes they lodge in crab gills, decreasing their ability to breathe. Most oysters appear unaffected. Oysters one, crabs nothing. Eating them possesses unknown health risks for humans. Per Florida Today. And as I predicted, more news of the Olympic movement. The bribery scandal tied to the Tokyo Olympics won't go away. According to the Associated Press... We discussed this a bit last week on the program. No, the week before. Well, some week. One of these shows, you know. On Wednesday of this week, a former advertising executive at the center of the scandal tied to Olympic sponsorships was arrested for the fourth time on suspicion of receiving bribes, this time from a Japanese advertising company, ADK Marketing Solutions. More like problems than solutions, I'm 
gathering. Japanese media reports said prosecutors raided the offices of ADK and a Tokyo-based doll maker, Sun Arrow, which produced the mascots. You know what the mascots were called? Miritawa and Someiti. Sure. Haruyuki Takahashi has been arrested and rearrested in an earlier charge with accepting bribes from officials at three other companies, a clothing company that dressed the team, a major Japanese publisher and entertainment company, and an advertising company. Takahashi has been in custody since August. Former executive of Japanese advertising giant Dentsu, which helped land the games for Tokyo and then lined up record amounts of domestic sponsorship. $3 billion, at least twice as much as any previous Olympics. French prosecutors have been looking into the allegations that some International Olympic Committee members may have been bribed to vote for Tokyo when the city was picked. Switzerland-based IOC has tried to distance itself from the scandal. Thomas Bach, the president, didn't attend a celebration last weekend at Tokyo's National Stadium to mark the one-year anniversary of the one-year delayed Olympics. He had a scheduling conflict. The Olympics have been consistently plagued with money scandals. An IOC member and head of the 2016 Rio Olympics was arrested after those games on corruption charges. And the Sochi Winter Olympics in 2014 were soiled by a doping scandal and a bribery scandal also overshadowed the 2002 Winter Olympics in Salt Lake City. It's like it's part of the program. The Bribery Olympics. Ladies and gentlemen, we are proud to present Let Us Try, a ballad of the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. Let us try to stem the tide To beautify our countryside We offer you our hand Let us try Sounds very ambitious. The U.S. District Court for Eastern North Carolina ruled late last month the Army Corps of Engineers violated the National Environment Policy Act in removing seasonal limitations on dredging projects in um, place to protect sea turtles and sturgeons from being maimed or killed by so-called hopper dredging. The animals are federally protected. The Corps historically limited the dredging projects to the winter months when wildlife is less abundant in North Carolina waters. That's what this involves. The Corps decided to remove those limitations last year and allow year-long dredging, which led to um, protests from conservation and environmental advocates. The decision led to at least four sea turtle deaths by late August of last year. Southern Environmental Law Center filed suit on behalf of conservation groups. The Corps argued the shift was increased efficiency, improving navigability and safety for commercial vessels while reducing costs for taxpayers. That's how the Corps thinks. The Corps held the Corps failed to analyze potential impacts on wildlife, especially regarding endangered species, and failed to consider the effects of removing 
the dredging windows. How unlike them. Let them try. The Army Corps of Engineers. This is the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, news of our friend the Adam. Clean, safe, too cheap to meet. Safe, cheap, too cheap to meet. Cheap, safe, too safe to meet. Safe, safe, too safe to meet. First, an update on the uh, somewhat disturbing situation in Ukraine. Ukraine's energy minister says he sees no sign of progress towards a deal involving Russia, Ukraine, and the U.N. nuclear watchdog. Uh, The problem, of course, revolves around the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant being occupied by the Russians, being operated by the Ukrainians. That's cozy. The situation at the plant is a source of international concern because of fears that repeated shelling 
of the plant's territory. Kiev and Moscow blame each other for that. Could lead, you know, to a nuclear accident. <laughs> yes, it's out of the news. Speaking of which, nuclear power plants, quote, are too difficult and too expensive to be a viable long-term solution for climate change, unquote. That's not, um, you know, nobody. It's somebody. It's Gregory Jasko, Jasko, sorry, who chaired the commission, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, under President Obama. Quote, as they get older, they become more unreliable, unquote. He's speaking of nuclear plants. And people. No, but nuclear plants. He said it changed his view about nuclear power after he led the Nuclear Regulatory Commission's 2011 response to the disaster in Fouke. You remember what happened there? Quote, we have to stop pretending accidents aren't going to happen, Jatsko says. It's not likely, and it's probably not going to happen tomorrow, but it probably will happen at some point in the future. This, uh, unquote, this comes up regarding the Turkey Point nuclear plant built in the late 60s, just south of Miami. The uh, Nuclear Regulatory Commission al- allowed the facility to operate until 2053. They got that authorization three years ago. That makes Turkey Point the first plant to receive permission to operate until it is 80 years old. But th- earlier this year, the commission reversed the decision and pulled the extension back to the early 2030s. It's a rare victory for environmentalists sounding the alarm over aging nuclear plants. Quote, we're not opposed to nuclear power, we're opposed to unsafe nuclear power. Unquote, the executive director of Miami Waterkeeper, a local nonprofit group that filed a public complaint with the commission about Turkey Point and its license extension. She, the executive director of Miami Waterkeeper, is a marine biologist and especially concerned about sea level rise and the threat of flooding at Turkey Point. When the plant was built, the reactors were placed 18 feet above sea level. But since then, the sea has risen 8 inches, and the pace, according to NOAA, is accelerating. NOAA and five other federal agencies project that the area surrounding Turkey Point will see an additional foot of sea level rise by 2050, accompanied by three feet of flooding at least once a year. The plant's cooling system, critical to safe operations, would flood, as would the main access road leading in and out, according to NOAA. Sea level rise in hurricane-prone Florida could also exacerbate storm surges. It's game over for this region if we get this wrong, says the biologist from Miami Waterkeeper. The NRC tells NBC News it's had time to prepare for any issues caused by rising sea levels because it occurs slowly enough that U.S. nuclear plants will have ample time to address the issue, says its reassuring statement. Florida Power and Light says in a statement, All our plants are designed to withstand earthquakes, hurricanes, and other natural events stronger than ever recorded in their respective regions, unquote. But that was not the case for the company's St. Lucie 
nuclear plant just up the coast from Turkey Point after heavy rainfall in 2014. A reactor auxiliary building flooded with 50,000 gallons of water gushing in through electrical conduits. Workers were able to safely operate the reactors, but the plant was in violation of federal safety regulations that require adequate flood barriers, according to documents filed with the NRC. Don't worry about it. Okay, okay then, you got it. According to a 2020 study by John Hopkins, three uh, plants in the U.S., including Turkey Point, should be considered high-risk because they could be near or completely surrounded by water, and they store spent nuclear fuel, described as an extremely hazardous material all of a sudden. Environmentalists have long been concerned about the nation's stockpile of spent fuel. It can be radioactive for thousands of years. About 1,500 metric tons of Turkey Point's waste is stored just uh, adjacent to Biscayne Bay. Nuclear plants have up to 60 years after they shut down to dispose of their waste. Clean, cheap, too long to wait, our friend the Atom. So, ladies and gentlemen, the uh, House January 6th Committee has, in fact, now subpoenaed testimony from uh, a certain ex-president, He um, also has a criminal proceeding under investigation regarding him in Georgia. The state of New York has uh, filed a civil action against the Trump organization. Washington Post had a partial list of Trump's lawyers and included one named James Trusty. Strange, but true. In any case, the former guy certainly seems to like hanging out with lawyers. I've had a woman named Sydney. And a guy named Lynn That's the kind of legal scene That I've been in I've had a lawyer whose First name was Ty For the life of me I couldn't figure out why Eighty-seven lawyers That's an impressive amount I even hired a lawyer just to do that count. Eighty-seven lawyers, I think they breed in the hills. No wonder I don't even try to pay their bills. Cleta is a world beater 
She's still on the team Eastman was a beast He thought up the whole scheme Corcoran and Bob said all the documents were returned And the feds threw a hissy fit Claiming they were burned Eighty-seven lawyers Nobody else has more The ones who turned me down Just didn't know the score Eighty-seven lawyers You can never have enough One of them is sure To really know their stuff There's a lawyer on my team He's called Jim Trusty Don't you think I need one called Marilyn Busty? Boris Epstein was a lawyer who often made the news Don't tell me that Trump doesn't like Jews Eighty-seven lawyers, maybe even more I pay a visit each week to the lawyer's store. Eighty-seven lawyers, it's so cool. I probably should open my own law school. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the Apologies of the Week. We're so sorry. The wife of Mexico's president has slammed Ralph Lauren for cultural appropriation. Fashion brand says it will no longer use indigenous designs without compensation. Ralph Lauren has apologized after it was accused by Beatriz Gutierrez the wife of the president of Mexico and head of a cultural affairs commission of plagiarizing indigenous designs. Gutierrez posted a photo on Instagram of a Ralph Lauren jacket, which he said appropriated the designs of the Contia and Saltillo peoples from Mexico. At the time of the post, the coat retailed for $360. By copying these designers, you're committing plagiarism, and as you know, plagiarism is illegal and immoral, said the message from the wife of the Mexican president, at least acknowledge it, and hopefully you'll compensate the original communities that do this work with love and not for million-dollar profit, unquote. Gutierrez rejects the title of first lady. We're deeply sorry this happened, says uh, Ralph Lauren. They say they were surprised the product was still on sale after issuing a directive to remove it from stores several months ago. As always, we're open to dialogue about how we can do better. The fashion company said in a statement, Ralph Lorton has pledged that all new products using indigenous designs going forward after Summer 23's collection will be created under a model of, quote, credit and collaboration, unquote. What about compensation? Oh, oh well. The vice chair of the board that oversees the University of Minnesota system apologized unequivocally for asking whether enrollment at the 
campus, located at a place called Morris, was, quote, too diverse, unquote. Five-paragraph statement issued through the Public Relations Office of the Twin Cities campus. Steve Svigum said he's willing to learn and must do better. He wrote his intent was to encourage discussion about the ongoing decline in enrollment at that campus, down 50% from its peak. The future of this great campus depends on finding solutions to reverse that trend, he wrote. At a Regents meeting last week, Svigum asked Acting Chancellor Janet Shrunk Erickson whether diversity was linked to declining enrollment. I've received a couple letters, too, actually, from friends whose children are not going to Morris because it is too diverse, Svigum said at the meeting. They just didn't feel comfortable there. Erickson responded, minority students on the campus often feel isolated, and from their perspective, no, the campus would not be too diverse. The question sparked backlash and calls for his resignation from the volunteer position. A Native American student leader at the Morris campus invited Svigum for a meal. Regents chairman released a statement calling diversity a strength and followed up with another statement apologizing on behalf of the board and noting it will hold its March 2023 meeting on that campus. That'll teach him. Dateline London, the Catholic Church in England and Wales has offered an unreserved apology to all sexual abuse victims who have suffered in the church following the publication of an independent inquiry released this week. I wonder what the reserved apology would be for. The Independent Inquiry into Child Sexual Abuse published a report on child sex abuse in England and Wales this week. The report scrutinizes the handling of abuse cases through a national lens, focusing in detail on several institutions and organizations, including the Church. They concluded the investigation in the Roman Catholic Church in England and Wales revealed a sorry history of child sexual abuse where abusive priests and members of religious orders and institutions preyed on children for prolonged periods of time. Unquote. The report goes on to note that the church has failed to support victims while at the same time taking positive action to protect perpetrators and the church's reputation. The following the report's release... The Catholic Council for the Independent Inquiry into Child Sexual Abuse, which was launched to coincide with the investigation, released a statement reiterating the Church's regret about grave failures and a commitment to making the Church a safe place for children and vulnerable people in the present and the future. Quote, it is important for us to again offer an unreserved apology to all those who have been hurt by abuse in the Catholic Church in England and Wales and to reaffirm our commitment to the continued refinement an improvement of our safeguarding work to protect all children and the vulnerable, unquote. The report into the scale of such abuse in England and Wales reveals that between 1970 and 2015, the Catholic Church received more than 3,000 complaints against more than 900 individuals connected to the Church. Millions of pounds have been spent on civil cases involving abuse victims and survivors. And the church is sorry about that, too. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver apologized to Phoenix Suns employees multiple times this week in a nearly hour-long address ahead of their season opener following its investigation into the owner of the team, Robert Sarver. Sarver's since started the process of selling both the Suns 
and another team, after investigation into his misconduct, quote, I'm incredibly empathetic to what many of you have lived through. Silver, the NBA commissioner, told employees in the team's arena on Wednesday night before the Suns win over the Mavericks. Did I hear ever that Robert could be difficult to deal with? Sure, he added later, but that's very different than conduct which is viewed as discriminatory in any way. Minority owner Sam Garvin was at the meeting and apologized on behalf of the remaining ownership group. Sarver has been suspended for one year and fined $10 million after the NBA's investigation into his misconduct, which revealed that he used the N-word on multiple occasions in the NBA, made inappropriate sexual and vulgar jokes, demeaned female employees repeatedly, and more. Wait, there's more. Sarver then revealed plans a week later to sell both franchises. The Suns are last valued at about $1.8 billion. He reportedly owns a third of them. Silver's told Suns employees he and the league weren't aware of any allegations related to Sarver until ESPN first published a story about it last year, which he saw as a failure. Quote, Obviously, it's a failure of an overall system of a league of 30 teams. To the extent that you feel let down by the league, he said to the assembled employees, I apologize. I take responsibility for that. Unquote Adam Silver. James Corden has walked back his apology to the owner of New York City restaurant Balthazar over claims he was abusive toward the venue staff. I haven't done anything wrong on any level, said the soon-to-depart Late Late Show host in an interview with the New York Times. So why would I ever cancel this? I was there. I get it. I feel so zen about the whole thing because I think it's so silly. I just think it's beneath all of us. It's beneath you. It's certainly beneath your publication, he told the Times. Elsewhere in the interview, he made a comment about a customer at another restaurant where the interview was conducted. Happens every day, he said about the woman who had apparently been complaining about the way eggs were served at the restaurant. It's happening in 50,000 restaurants as we speak. It's always about eggs. Can you imagine now if we just busted her, blasted her on Twitter? Would that be fair? This is my point. It's insane. Unquote James Corden. In Balthazar owner Keith McNally's post online detailing two incidents involving Corden, the comedian... Comedian and talk show host allegedly complained there was a little bit of egg white in his wife's egg yolk omelet. McNally initially banned Corden from the restaurant over his behavior, but later removed the ban when he called him. He, Corden, called to apologize profusely. In a comment provided to TMZ, McNally responded to the host's decision to walk back on his apology. Quote, I have no wish to kick a man when he's down, but I believe the best way for James Corden to retrieve some of the vast respect the public had for him before this incident is to own up to it and apologize to the young servers he abused. If he's big enough to do that, he can eat it free at Balthazar for the rest of the year. Unquote. In another update online, McNally questioned if Corden was joking when he claimed he hadn't done anything wrong on any level or outright denying that he engaged in abusive behavior toward the staff. Whatever Corden meant, 
His implication was clear. He didn't do it, wrote McNally online. Although I didn't witness the incident, lots of my restaurant's floor staff did. They had nothing to gain by lying. Corden did. And he concluded, if the supremely talented actor wants to retrieve the respect he had from all his fans, all four of them, before this incident, then he should at least admit he did wrong. Touchy, touchy. Everybody's so touchy. Ron Jacobs, the newly installed CEO of Dutch-based conglomerate and medical device maker Philips, apologized to patients and caregivers for the company's troubled recall of sleep apnea devices. The product recall of our respironics devices let down the many patients who relied on them, as well as the doctors and the nurses caring for those patients, for which I am deeply sorry, said Jacobs, who oversaw the recall process as chief business leader before he became CEO. He made a comments in a blog post on the company's website, first public statements in assuming leadership of the company last week. He didn't mention the causes of the recall. It happened after the FDA received tens of thousands of reports that faulty soundproof insulation can degrade and be blown through the device into patients' lungs. The fault was linked to cancers and patients' deaths. About 5.5 million of the sleep apnea machines have been recalled. Phillips has been unable to repair and replace them in a timely manner. The company blames supply chain issues. We've heard that before. Members of the Mount Clemens Board of Education, this I believe is in Michigan, have apologized for the twerking scandal that has landed the district in national headlines mentioned on Fox News. At this week's meeting, the board addressed the incident, which is now being investigated by the administration and the county sheriff's office. On behalf of the members of the Mount Clemens Board of Education, the faculty and staff, as president of this board, I apologize for the activities that happened last Saturday evening, said president of the board, Earl Rackman, sorry, Earl Rickman III. The school had no role, school board had no role in renting out the gym where the twerking took place. But he sees the damage it created to the district's image, reputation, and perception. The administration rented a gym to rivals recruiting worldwide for what the organization had claimed was a charity event. During the event, a rap artist was accompanied by a woman in a G-string and sports bra twerking on the gym floor, making sexually provocative moves. This video of the event quickly went viral. The board approved a motion on pausing renting the school facilities for outside organizations for 30 days while the investigations are completed. Take your twerking elsewhere. Los Angeles City Council member Kevin DeLong said Wednesday he will not resign following leaked audio of an incendiary closed-door conversation that he took part in. After remaining silent for more than a week, De Leon gave two television interviews during which he repeatedly apologized for his role in a discussion last year where racist and demeaning language was used. That's apology worthy. And tell me if you've heard this before. A prank video showing students putting on a mock slave auction at a Yuba City, California high school has 
had some real-life consequences for students who participated. The school's varsity football season was forfeited as too many players were suspended from the team to be able to continue the season. Students and school leaders having to face firsthand the hurt that the video has caused the community. The disturbing video depicts... See if you've ever heard of this before. White students at River Valley High School, quote, auctioning off black students, quote, as slaves in a football locker room. The Greater Sacramento NAACP chapter hosted a meeting calling for systemic change after this viral viral video made it to TikTok. Three River Valley High School students and football players who participated in the video spoke up, saying they regret their actions and have learned a hard lesson. Quote, I did not want to do it, but looking back, I wish I had done more to stop it, said Adrian, a sophomore. When the video was made, I was not feeling good about it, and I froze. I wanted to get it over with so I could get back to practice. Three other River Valley students admit to taking part in the video with several other team members, though not willingly at first, CBS chose not to show the disturbing video that depicts the black teenagers as slaves in their underwear while they were being auctioned off by the white students. They had nooses or belts around their necks to indicate they have or will be hung, said a rep from the NAA. Three students described giving in to peer pressure from other team members at the moment. Quote, part of me knew it was wrong when it was happening, and I didn't have the courage to stop myself or my teammates, and I wish I could have, said Marcos, a junior. Quote, I am here today because I want people to know I am sorry. I apologize to anyone I have hurt or offended. Unquote. The Apologies of the Week, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. That will be it for this week's edition of the show. Back next week, same time, same radio stations. Or at the time of your choice on the audio device of your choice, it would be just like more lawyers for Donald Trump, if you would agree to join with me then. Would you already? Thank you very much. Uh-huh. A tip of the show, chapeau to the San Diego desk, to Pam Halstead, and to Thomas Walsh at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's broadcast. I'm on Twitter at the Harry Shearer. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Change is Easy Radio Network, and I'm on Twitter at the Harry Shearer. So long from the home of the homeless.